<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matthew Ward, founder and CEO at Workmate. The last time Matt was on the show was March 6th, 2020, which in my mind is like just before COVID. Matt, it's great to have you back. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me again. Can't believe it's been a year Neither already since we last spoke. The last year was a little bit silly in, in tons of ways, right? It seemed to go by really fast and really slow at the same time. It did. It seems like a long time ago since we last spoke you know, in many ways. But yeah, also it doesn't seem like that long ago at all. So actually, you mentioned March 6th. I was supposed to be in Bangkok that week. And right. it was about the week that Singapore Shut down. basically closed the borders and my wife is telling me, don't go, don't go. And I was like, nah, I'll be right. And then <laughs> lucky I didn't because it would have been closed to me when I, uh, when I was there. So um, yeah, it's been almost a year since I've been in the market. I kind of felt the same way you did back in March. I'm like, this is not a big deal. And then like somebody really close to me got on a plane to go teach and came back and said somebody on the plane had COVID and that was it. I didn't leave the house for three months. And I don't even think we talked about that on our episode. We didn't. We didn't because it didn't matter. About it. Yeah. Yeah. So how was 2020 for Workmate, particularly after March? Like a lot of industries got hit really hard, but some prospered, right? Look, I mean, for everybody, it was difficult. Difficult for different businesses and different people in different ways. Sure. I think we were very fortunate, as you know, and as I spoke about, I mean, as your listeners who don't know what we do, I mean, we are in the business of, of helping companies you know, manage and source uh, large-scale blue-collar workforces. And so a lot of our business is in the area of, you know, e-commerce, logistics, uh, manpower. And these are the sectors that kind of took off and accelerated through lockdowns with everyone, you know, staying at home, shopping online, buying their food online. And so we were very fortunate that we actually saw tremendous growth last year off the back of that. We did have some of our verticals. We used, you know, we were doing a lot of work in, uh, you know, hospitality, F&B, events, staffing, manpower. Um, so that stuff all went to zero. We had an office in Bali that we were supporting a lot of our hotels right. there on their right. manpower. That, that had to close down. So we went through challenges like that. But overall, you know, we've come out of it and, you know, you know, the business doubled last year and, you know, we've got our local markets operating, being profitable now. So I think, you know, overall we came out of it pretty well. But look, it was tough. You know, the team had to react very, very quickly. The hardest thing for us, aside from the business performance, was the people. I think the emotional side of it for people dealing with stresses, particularly our teams in Indonesia, that have had to go through a lockdown for a long period of time. I right. know you guys in Bangkok until recently had it pretty good. Yep. Indonesia's had it pretty tough. So I think there's an emotional toll that, you know, I think for us managing the effect and the impact on the people emotionally was the bigger challenge than the hit to our business because our business actually grew. And leading on to that, I think it was also what I personally found really challenging was maintaining company culture, maintaining alignment when not everyone's in the office. Um, I'm so used to building culture, building relationships through a lot of day-to-day, -day, uh, what I call you know, micro-interactions. Right. Water cooler tour, grabbing coffee with people. That's where you have the side chats. You can you know, address questions people have about strategy. And then all of a sudden, you're shifting to online and every meeting has a schedule and an agenda and you miss those uh, serendipitous those moments, moments, right? Yeah, You do. And, and I found that as a, as a leader really challenging, and I don't think I've got the answer to it yet, but really challenging. And I felt that 
you know, for a while our, our culture was starting to suffer and the alignment was starting to suffer. Fair and enough. that was probably the biggest challenge I found was, was more the people management, people alignment, impact on culture for the company rather than any kind of financial impact. But um, yeah, look, it's tough. And I, and I, I think it's, it's still going on because, you know, uh, I know you guys in Thailand are going through, you know, uh, another sort of wave right now. Yep. And, and also in Indonesia, the guys are still pretty much locked down. So we, we've got a long way to go, but we're, we're a lot better at managing it now than we were six months ago or 12 months ago. Had you ever managed through a real crisis before? No, not nothing like this, and I don't think right. anybody has, right? I, yeah, I mean, managed through you know losing major customers and and other companies I've been involved in, sure. and sort of more financial and business related crises. But this, this is more of a, it's a. I think as, as I said, it's more personal. It's more emotional for people uh, dealing with being isolated away from their their colleagues. A lot of people, you know, I'm I'm fortunate. I have a, you know, I have a young family, and and so I'm working from home. But I've always got them there to, right, you to, know, to keep you, me right? grounded, right? And and I know some of the people on the team, you know, don't. They're they're single and they're they're stuck in their apartment all day every day, and that's really challenging. So I, I don't think I've ever, no, I've never managed uh, that type of uh, crisis before. No. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I wasn't. I was in a management position in Tokyo, right, when the big earthquake hit. And that was, people, again, reacted very yeah. emotionally to it. It didn't impact our business actually that much. But boy, people were scared to be on the 20th floor of a building for a few months after that. Yeah. That's the absolutely. hardest thing I think to do is just to manage people through that sort of, that emotional state. That's ultimately the job of a leader, right? Your yeah. job is to, is, to, is to build an organization and focus on the people, build a strong culture. And um, when those things, those things get hit, that's when you, your, your skills get tested. Agreed. Look, you said yeah. your business doubled in 2020, but you also talked about these these platform companies. Were they your existing clients that just kind of exploded, or were they new clients that kind of came on board? I get the fact that the hospitality businesses, the hotels, right, the parties and all the other stuff, and the events, they went to zero for sure. They yeah. did for yeah. everybody, though, yeah? But were the other clients yes. new, or were they existing and then just grew as well? So the honestly, we found signing new clients up really tough uh, for the first half of the year. So about March to July, we didn't really add a lot of new customers. Wow. I think a lot of companies went into you know a pattern of, whoa, what's happening? Right, right, right. Uh, we don't want to make any new decisions on how we do things. We, we, you know, there's a, we didn't sign up a lot of new customers. We had a few customers that we hadn't worked with for a while that came back to us. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the growth came from existing customers who just took off. Like we have... Uh, you know, some big customers in, in Thailand in the food delivery space, um, obviously, that, that took off. We have customers in, the, in Indonesia in the, you know, third, you know 3PL, third-party logistics space that's right. predominantly driven by e-commerce. E yeah. And so, of course, that took off and all these companies are going, hey, I need more people. I need more people. So we, you know, they started using our platform to, you know, to bring in a, a bigger workforce to cover the, the, the growth. So most of it came from existing customers, to be honest with you. But the second half of the year... I saw that, you know, people, particularly in our sector, you know, the first three or four months when the sort of that, that shock of, of, of to their businesses around what was happening with the with the pandemic, not a lot changed. They were just kind of scrambling to stay afloat. And then around July, August, people started to go, okay, I kind of know what we're dealing with now. And then they started to look to optimize. And that's when people started coming out of the work going, hey, look, I realize I need to streamline how I'm managing this workforce and I've heard you guys can really add some value here, so can we talk? So we started closing more deals in the second half of the year, but those first three or four months when the pandemic hit, was it was kind of guns blazing for the existing customers, but not a lot of new deals coming through. And what do you think this means as we sort of ended 2020 
and we're about three weeks into 2021, do you feel like you have more visibility? Like, what did we learn and what's going to change this year? I don't want to get into new products yet, but I just mean from a sort of internal company perspective. We've definitely got better organized. And I think we've got, we've become a lot more focused. You know, I, I think that we learned very quickly. I mean, for, for example, when you're in growth mode, uh, you, you're kind of trying to win business you know, wherever you can. And, and then I think last year we sort of went, okay, we've got to get really mean. We're lean and mean here. So we have to really focus on what's working. Maybe have to like, you know, we, we did actually end up cutting a few customers that just weren't profitable. So we, I think we, we got a lot more efficient and we have a, a, I think we've developed a much leaner culture um, as everyone kind of like hunkered down and, and tried to make sure we could grow effectively. Because the, the big thing for me as well um, last year was we were on track to uh, to raise our Series B last year. And I had, you know, conversations already going beginning of last year with Makes sense. large investors who are based overseas and all of a sudden they can't travel and and, and people start making higher investment decisions in the first half of the year. So we had to kind of like get lean for that purpose as well, even though we were growing, right. you know, the, the the impact on the fundraising process was also something we had to deal with. So I think as a company, we've learned to be a little bit efficient, we've learned to be a bit leaner. Um, and, you know, that means, you know, we're, we're now working smarter. So there was a company in, I think it's in Spain, right, called Job and Talent. What is this, like a digital staffing agency company? And they raised a pretty big round, actually, for this space. What was it, like $110, $108 million for their platform? Yeah. Does this, does this have any impact on you? Like, when you look at that and read that, do you think, like, does this validate me in a way? So, first of all, I know the job and talent guys well. You do? I, I literally was, was talking to their CEO the other day. So, we know, we know um, uh, you know, Juan and Felipe. They're based in Spain, but they're all over Europe. They're in South America as well. Great business, great guys, super sharp, super smart. They're doing amazing things. Um, you know, we look at what they do a lot because they are they're growing and they're they're kind of leading the pack in the space that we're right. in. And you know, really good guys that you know every few months get on the call with me and we share share notes. But look, yeah, so they they're in a very similar space to us. Obviously, they're dealing in more developed markets. We're more emerging markets, so there are some differences. Sure. But fundamentally, you know, yeah, they're they're essentially um, technology to disrupt the traditional manpower agencies. Um, and when we say manpower, like in the blue collar space, we're not talking about a recruiter. We're talking about you know outsourcing yeah. contract yeah, yeah. staff. So you know, they're the employer and they send them out on contracts to these to these companies. So they, um, they've raised a ton. I mean, they raised a $70 million round from Seek at the end of last year. And this extra $100 million has just been on in addition to that, I believe. So I think it's a combined like 180 Series C or something. So they've, they've raised a couple hundred million dollars already. Yes, they have. Yeah. And what's the impact on you? In other words, does that make your conversations, you kind of stop the Series B conversations, but does that make the conversations you have to raise money easier? Yeah, definitely. I, I think investors, right? I mean, no matter whether they admit it or not, most most VCs in particular, they, they you know they do look at what's happening elsewhere, and if they see something a model taking off, they they might want to get in a similar model in this region, right? Because they say, oh, this thing is taking off over there. Right. Uh, who's leading in this in this region, right? So it does create a little bit of urgency. I think it also provides that comfort and validation. It's always the way. Like if you're the only company doing something, it's like. You know, maybe you're, you're tripping. Right. Maybe you're maybe you're smoking something because no one else has thought this is a good idea. So I think just the example that they've set that you can scale this business and you can build a valuable 
company with with uh, uh, a solution around blue collar manpower uh, deployment and management is um is, is it's good validation for us and, and it shows that that if we keep working on what we're doing and we keep trying to get better at executing you know we can scale as well so now that you have an opportunity to go to you go to new clients or potential new customers when you go in to talk to them are they all still using for this scheduling excel which is a tool that I used when I was at Goldman, but I can't imagine that people are still using this for scheduling. Yeah, so look, it's really what's really interesting about this whole blue-collar manpower mm-hmm. space, is that there's obviously multiple aspects to it. Sure. So what we really focus on in particular is helping companies that uh, have blue-collar manpower at scale, right? So you know, if you're if you're managing two or three people, it's quite simple. Yeah, yeah. If you're running a small cafe or restaurant and you need it, you need to manage a team across, you know, a few shifts and a few schedules, it's quite you need to hire a few people, it's fine. When you when you're a company that's got, you know, we we've got a customer that's got twenty five thousand workers in Indonesia, right. right? And where warehouse workers and delivery guys, right? That gets complex. Uh, multiple cities, multiple warehouses. You start to get a lot of complexity around not only how do I source these guys, how do I hire them, how do I know who's reliable, how do I know who's going to not show up the next day, and then how do I schedule people effectively to make sure I've got the right number of workers turning up on the right shift and the right role on the right day, it does get quite complex. And one of the things that we've seen is that you know there are off the, uh, keep the hiring part aside, right? Which is like how do I source people because that requires a very on the ground local kind of approach, sure. which which is kind of where we where our DNA comes from. But on the the technology side, there are systems that you can get off the shelf that do a lot of these things around helping you schedule, right? But what we find is that the majority of them are not from this region, right? So they not localized, and in particular, they're not mobile first. So you see companies that go, oh yeah, we have this great you know system for scheduling, but it's something that doesn't really work on a you know cheap mobile Android device in Indonesia, right? And it may not be in Bahasa and so forth, um, and it's not really user friendly for the typical worker profile here. Uh, and so what ends up happening is, to your point, it is actually quite surprising. We go into clients, we go, how are you managing these thousand workers across these schedules every every week? And they say we use Excel. Um, wow. And the reason they use Excel is because they can customize it. They can build it how they want. They can put it in their format. They can color code it. They can do what they want. But the problem that creates is it, it's you know human error. Then you've got to communicate those those schedules with people. It creates a lot of kind of you know manual work. It creates a lot of reconciliation against so paper timesheets that are signed on a document in a in a warehouse. And um, it is really messy. And that's really some of the problems that we're helping companies solve right now. Do you want to know how I collaborate with some of the best brands in the world at Asia Tech Podcast? I use Podmetrics. This is the best way to connect to your favorite brands and monetize your podcast. If you are a podcaster, you can sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code Asia Tech Podcast, all one word, to get full control of your show's monetization, regardless of your show's size. And if you're a brand, and want to collaborate with the Asia Tech Podcast, head over to advertiser.podmetrics.co, it's spelled like it sounds, and sign up now. Yeah, but I mean, Excel, Excel, even though it is available on the cloud, it's not a great mobile application, particularly if you're using an Android phone. And I want to make this clear to people just to make sure that I've understood it, actually. When you talk about mobile first, you're not talking about just the companies or the employees. You're talking about both. They have to be able to keep... Sorry. 
No, so what I mean is the worker. So the worker, the you know, the guy who gets up and goes to a warehouse in yeah. Jakarta to, to move boxes all day, like he's on, he, he doesn't have a laptop, no, right? No. So, so so companies typically they'll have an Excel spreadsheet that they will use to build as a schedule as the HR team or the ops team, right? They literally screenshot that and then they send it out on a WhatsApp group. Okay. That's kind of how they do okay. it. So the communication is done through like WhatsApp or Line in the sake of in the, in the instance of Thailand, but the actual internal management is done through these these very kind of you know, not built for purpose systems. Yeah, sorry. The screenshot of yeah. an Excel spreadsheet is gonna is gonna engender a bunch of errors for sure. And also miscommunication, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what what do we do to solve this? What you you recently announced a new SaaS product. What does it do and how does it help not just the companies, but the workers as well? Yeah, so th- that's actually, you know, let me talk about that. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting in terms of the evolution of, of us and where we're heading. Tell so me. we as I mentioned, as you know, we spoke about last year, we started off as an on-demand workforce platform. Basically, the proposition being we have a network of workers, we've pre-screened right. them, verified them, interviewed them. You can book them, right? Open up the platform, say who you want, uh, how many people you want and when, and we'll make sure they show up. Um, one of the things that we learned um, in the very early days was that we could match people to jobs. We could tell Michael to go to this particular restaurant on this day, but he wouldn't show up. So the, the issue of no-shows and reliability is a major problem. I think it's also exacerbated in this region by a culture in that, you know, there are plenty of customers who will interview a bunch of workers, you know, give the job to 10 people, and those 10 people say, oh, okay, thank you, thank you, I've got the job, great. They leave that, that, that interview going, I don't want to work there. <laughs> But culturally, they don't want to say no. Right, they, don't, right. they don't want to say no to the person. So they just say yes, right. and then they never show up, right? right. So you have this major problem with, with reliability. And so what we learned was that you can't interview for that, particularly when you're dealing with somebody who's generally less educated, doesn't maybe necessarily have any specific skills, it's more general kind of manual labor. You can't interview for that. So what we understood was that the only way to, to ensure that people are reliable is to actually somehow understand if they have been reliable in the past. So what we started doing is building out tools such as uh, time tracking tools so they can clock in and clock out so we know who showed up and when they showed up. Then what started happening was we started getting more complex types of assignments. So rather than one person for one day, clients are going, hey, I want 120 people from you for the next six months. And so within that long-term assignment, you've got different shifts, like who's working what day? What Are they working night shift or day shift? So we built out a shift management tool. And so all of that enables us to know Michael is supposed to show up on Saturday at 9am, but he clocked in at 9.30. He's late. Black mark. Okay. We know, did you cancel your shift? We know, did you show up when you were supposed to? Did you not show up at all? And so what that enables enables us to do is capture a lot of data, right? And so our, our, our whole model is around capturing this historical worker performance data and then using that to then assign the best workers for the best job based on what they've done in the past. So we're not reliant on a profile or a resume. Um, we, base it, we base our worker assignment logic on you know, real-time performance, right? Who's doing what? Who is reliable? Uh, and that gives us a really uh, big advantage in the market and being able to promise to our customers that we can actually deliver a reliable guy who's going to show up because he's showed up 95% of the time over the last 12 months, right? And so that's kind of where, where, we, where we got to, and that's sort of growing our business in terms of a manpower provider. 
But what we saw really, you know, uh, last year in particular, as we're sort of deploying new versions of this platform that we've got around shift scheduling, attendance, analytics, automated hiring from our worker pool, our customers started to say, hey, can I actually use this stuff for my full-time workforce, not just these short-term temp contract workers, right? Because I love the way you guys manage shifts. I love the way you track attendance and so forth. What we start, what we started to do was say, yeah, sure. Actually, you know, if you want to pay us for the platform, just we'll give you the tools, right? And you can use it for everybody, not just your contract staff. And so that was the genesis of the realization that actually, if we start offering the software as a SaaS platform, we can actually uh, approach, you know, actually attack a much bigger market because we're not just dealing with temp workers; we're now dealing with everybody. And so where we're kind of going now is that we, you know, we obviously have this manpower providing solution. That we still do, but we're also now saying, hey, we offer you the tools as well. So it's taking the technology that we've developed in the last four years running a manpower business that we're delivering, you know, tens of thousands of workers daily across multiple businesses to companies that don't have effective solutions for this stuff. And it's super exciting. I mean, we're already, you know, we just launched two weeks ago. We got our first beta customers up and running and using the system. And there's already a lot of inbound interest coming in because there's just no system that's custom built for this type of workforce in this region that really delivers on on improving these attendance rates. So we're super excited about it. And you know, we've got a long way to go, but I think the opportunities are pretty exciting. And does it have different analytics, right? In other words, if you just have a temp worker and they're meant to show up at nine and leave at five and clock in and clock out, sort of staff workers may be on a different schedule, right? So are there different analytics that you can use to to measure that? Yeah, yeah. We have a whole analytics module. So um, everything from worker performance, it also collects worker satisfaction, fulfillment rates, worker churn rates. So you can see, for example, this warehouse and you know, Samut Prakan has, you know, 15% staff churn every month, but our average across our other locations is only five. So what's going on there? And so you can, we're sort of starting to build uh, these additional kind of reporting and analytics um, features in. So you can get a lot of good visibility in there. And do you use or do you test this on your own team? <laughs> uh, no, no. I was afraid to yeah, ask that, but I was just thinking like, it's a great way to test it. Maybe I should. Maybe I should, yeah. <laughs> Hey, you haven't clocked in yet. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not just the clocking in. I just mean some of the analytics around stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, look, I mean, I think this is where this is where having something which is really focused on on the blue collar market, yeah, yeah. where it's really about does the guy show up where he's supposed to, and did he work hard that day? So it's really, you know, there's plenty of really strong platforms that are out there focused on employee satisfaction and yep. performance, but that's not the space that we're in. We've really built this to solve this part of the workforce, which is, you know, 70% of the labor market in Southeast Asia and massively underserved when it comes to, you know, tools and efficiency. Everyone seems to want to build tech for uh, hiring salespeople and bankers. No one, no one thought about, you know, building tech to help, you know, help that guy who, who moves boxes in a warehouse. So um, that's kind of where we're focused. And do you think that as we move into sort of the first, the end of the first quarter, 2021 and into the middle of this year, that as vaccines get rolled out and maybe things normalize a little bit more, that expansion is going to start to grow really fast, particularly in other markets that you're not already operating. Yeah, and I, and I think that we're actually already starting. We've got a couple, uh, a new market launching shortly. Um, we're launching Singapore in the next three months, right. which would be great. But I think also that this this new SaaS platform uh, actually scales quite quickly. So obviously, as a as a staffing provider, as like a tech uh, powered staffing solution for manpower, 
you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff we have to deal with in terms of labor regulations. Also, just, you know, we have to build out this big working network and, and do, you know, to, to deliver manpower for people. But obviously, as a platform, you know, that removes some of those barriers to entry. So it does make international expansion a little bit easier. And do you think about, this just popped into my head, right? But do you think about the UAE at all, where, you know, 20% of the people in the United Arab Emirates are Emirati and 80% are overseas workers or foreigners? There's got to be a massive market for something like this there for all the incoming and outgoing and all the changing. I know that COVID has changed that a little bit. But again, as things normalize, and that's a wealthy place, they should get vaccines early. Do you think about expanding there if you haven't already? Look, I think there's a lot of opportunity. But, you know, I've always been a believer in, in, in staying focused. And I think that, you know, I'd rather have a really strong business in, in a, you know, in three or four markets in Southeast Asia than spread ourselves too thin. Fair enough. You know, I've been in Singapore 14 years. I've, I've worked, I've had, I've set up companies and offices and, in, in, you know, the six main, I guess, not key, but main Southeast Asia markets. Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the market that we know. It's the market where we, uh, where I feel we can you know, dominate uh, because no one else is in the, really in this space in Southeast Asia. There's a couple of other competitors coming up, but but no one really is in this space in this region. Right. Um, so I want to focus here first. Although in saying that, there is an interesting opportunity right now than in, a, in another market, which I won't mention which one, <laughs> where we have a company that's actually uh, reached out to us. They've been doing research and they, they've found that our solution, they're not from Southeast Asia, but they're in another emerging market and they've found that our solution is the best one they've seen for emerging market workers. Um, and so we're working on a partnership with them to, to launch our platform in their market. They'll almost be our JV partner in the market. They'll be our rep in the market. They'll be the, the face of Workmate Tech in that country. Um, so there are also opportunities like that that we're, that we're excited about exploring this year. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what the opportunity would be like in India. You don't need to comment on it, but it's got to be huge. The last thing I'll ask you before I let you go is, are you coming back into a place where you think you can revisit the Series B that you were thinking about earlier? Yeah, we did just close in an, another round. Um, okay. Just a con- convertible note, we just closed. Um, Good for you. You're not, yeah, not 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 disclosing how much, but it wasn't it wasn't small, which gives us a lot more firepower to to drive forward over the next eighteen months. But look, we've got a lot of incoming interest in Series B, which we'll we'll probably look to do later this year, if if the stars align. So yeah, I think look, we're we're excited. Um, it's an interesting space. Uh, I think that you know the added benefit that that you know we're helping people uh, get better access to income and better access to opportunities, and you know re- you know improving their working their working uh, I guess their their you know the working environments to make sure they're working the right types of roles for them. And there's a lot I think a lot of opportunity ahead of us. The key for us is just you know staying focused and uh, yeah executing. It's all about execution, as you know. Yes, I do know. Look, Matt, it's always great to talk to you. Just always fascinated. I love learning about this. So interested in this. And I can't believe you've been in Singapore now for 14 years. I know. It's mad. It I, mad. Came here, I, I, I came here with a, with a limit of two. No. Um, when Paul, when Paul Shavorical hired me to come and run the AdMax business for him, I was, uh, I was like, yeah, we'll go up, we'll build that, we'll exit, and I'll be out of here. Go home. And, uh, you know, 14 years later, I'm still here, you know, family here now. So the, the roots are in. Yeah, you're not leaving. But it's great. Look, Singapore is a fantastic place to be. And I love this region. It's an exciting region to be in. I mean, um, you know, I miss New Zealand. But, you know, to be honest with you, this, this, this Southeast Asia, is there's so much opportunity here. And particularly for people that are willing to take a risk Absolutely. and follow a dream and, and start a business. I think there's a lot, um, you know, I think this, this next sort of 10 years is going to be a super exciting uh, time to be in this region. So, you know, I think anyone who's in, you know, exploring 
entrepreneurship and 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 taking their ideas to realization it's a great place to be right now well you know i've been here for 30 i wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world right now hard for me to believe as well you make you make me feel young Michael, you <laughs> well i'll tell you what you don't make me feel old i definitely don't feel old um <laughs> but i really want to thank you for doing this matt ward the founder and ceo at workmate another amazing conversation thank you so much man thanks michael cheers The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.